All right, if you would, turn back in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 3. This is our final night of going through a series on stewardship. And if, like, like, like I think we are, if you take things seriously, you can never really talk enough about stewardship. It's the idea of taking care of something. It's the idea of being trusted with something or being responsible for something. And that's just really, really, really important, isn't it? It is. It's just really, really important. You, you don't, okay, well, I've heard a sermon on that before. No, it's one of those things where you, you, you want to always keep hearing about it because it's so important. You know, we've done lots of weddings now, and uh, there's always weddings coming up, and our church is going to have a wedding here in the next few months as Sidney Jones is set to get married in May. They're not getting married here in the church, but they're getting married here in Louisville. And, uh, you know, we've got weddings coming up. And one of the things that always happens at a wedding is dealing with the rings. And if you've got some kids in your life, there's usually a ring bearer. Everybody knows about that, right? And, and I think that you know this. If you don't, I'm just going to let you in on a secret. You know what almost never happens anymore? The ring bearer it doesn't get to bear the ring. Did you know that? They never let them anymore. They never let them. The, the little boy that walks down with the ring never has the ring. Did y'all know that? Everybody knows that, right? They don't do that anymore, right? They, they, don't, they don't let that little kid have that ring. Now the rings are expensive, right? People are spending thousands of dollars on a wedding ring, and he doesn't. You know what they do? Somebody like the bride, who's taking this thing ultra serious, walks in and has both rings, the man and the woman's, in a box, and they give it to me. And so that ring bearer is just faking it, and then I've got the ring in the box right here in my pocket, right? Why? Why is that? Well, these things are really important. They spend a lot of money on it, and they do not want to risk that something could go wrong with it. That's the idea behind stewardship. We've talked about the stewardship of our talents, like the, the way that God's made you and you need to be responsible with that, the way he's gifted you. We've talked about the, the stewardship of our time, all right, in here. And, and I, you know, I have really, really liked listening uh, to that. I was, I was reflecting upon that now. One of the things that Jake said when he preached on that was, it is a good use of your time to pray. I've been thinking about it. It's been about two or three weeks ago that he did that. It is a good use of your time to pray. All of us, you know, kind of worry about what's the best use of our time. I saw a commercial on TV today that said, you just saw this commercial today. You waste 400 hours a year doing dishes. That's what it said. And so they're trying to get you to do, you know, buy this dishwasher and use this dish detergent so that you don't have to waste your life doing dishes, right? Well, that's, you know... Whatever that is, that's advertising. But that's the idea in that we've got to be thinking through what is the best way to spend our time. And I liked that sermon, and praying helped me with that. And then just last week, Matt McBroom preached on the family, and wow, we just need to do that more. You know, the same idea. If listening to talks on stewardship is always instructive and profitable and beneficial, then stewardship on the family is, is a must, right? And I really, really liked listening to Matt last, last Sunday night and, and just hearing that. And then tonight... We're going to get to our finances, which is where we all go first when we think of stewardship. It's not a stretch to say stewardship of talent, time, and family, but our first thought is on finances. If you're going to talk about money, 
you better be taking it serious. If you're going to talk about money in a church, you better be taking it serious. We got a new members class that just finished up, and we take just a few minutes, honestly, all together, probably about five minutes in that class, to go over giving, where we tell people, churches don't get money from anywhere else other than the offering. That's the way it is, that's the way it should be, and that's the way we like it, okay? We don't have money coming in from anywhere else. We're not connected to any businesses. We don't have any connection with the government. All we have is what the people give through the offering. Well, that means if you got a lot of people that got a lot of money, you have more, and if you got fewer people and not as much money, you have less. Simple as that, okay? But what you're supposed to do with it is be responsible with it. You understand that? We're supposed to be responsible with it. And when we say that to them, we need to be responsible with the money here in the church, I love telling them we're going to be responsible with it. I love saying that to them. I say, hey, we don't have any debt. We don't have a big budget. We keep it small. We don't spend a lot of money. Some categories are almost comical how low they are. We don't spend a lot of money here. And so you can feel good about giving to God through this church and that we're going to be a good, good steward with it, okay? And that's important when you start to talk about finances. Now, I already mentioned this morning on how my dad was if uh, a scam came up. I was raised by my parents that you do not ever talk about money. You do not ever even have a conversation with somebody about how much they make how much they have, how much they have saved up. You know, never. I have never, literally, I'm 44 years old, and I have never heard my mom or dad ever talk about what they made, what they make, what somebody has, or nothing. And they won't, and they won't. And I was kind of raised that way, that these things are private and these things are personal, right? But my parents have excellent, excellent work ethic. They had always worked and saved their money. And my parents are very frugal people. And so I was blessed to grow up in that, all right? The whole idea behind it is that talk, what I'm saying is that talking about financial stewardship in a church especially is a big deal. It's very important. We need to do it. We do not preach much on money here. We're definitely tonight not preaching on how you should give more. We are preaching tonight on how we should think about it. So we started at Proverbs 3, and I love this verse, verse 9. It says, very simply, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. The Bible teaches here that we should want God involved with our wealth. We should. It's not one of those things that we can compartmentalize out and disconnect it from God. It's not. It's not. And I know a lot of people do. I know a lot of church people do. I know in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira thought that they could, and God was totally all up in that, right? He knew what they said they were going to do. He knew that they were lying to him. He knew that they gave a lot of money to the church, because they did. They gave a lot of money to the church, but he also knew their heart in how they handled their money. They did not honor the Lord with their wealth. I want to remind you here tonight at the outset, and we're just getting started, that some of the biggest givers in the world and some of the biggest givers in the church can very much so, I don't know, but can absolutely very much so not be honoring God. Don't fall for that disguise. It was our Lord Jesus Christ himself who applauded the little widow that gave two little pennies. 
The issue here is, is your heart centered, surrendered, submitted to God with what you have and what he's given you? That we cannot push you on. That we cannot beg you for. That is a heart work that God must do in you and that you must by faith come along with. This is something that the unbeliever can't even grasp. They can't even understand that, okay? I I know lots of unbelievers who know that giving is a good thing. They know that giving back is a good thing. You know that our world is filled with people who love to give, right? I could think off the top of my head now lots of examples of wealthy people who do a lot of giving, whether it's for tax purposes or humanitarian purposes or whatever else. But it's God that teaches us that how we are with what we have Uh, is to be honoring to him. That's a heart issue. That's a faith issue. And we see this here. We do have the Bible teaching us, like here at Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Look at verse 10. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. We do not like the prosperity gospel here. We don't preach that. You'll never hear me say, hey, if you do this act of obedience by faith, then God will give you more. You won't hear me say that. But I will absolutely say to you all, and you're going to see several passages tonight, that if you will honor the Lord with your wealth, he will take care of you. That's not prosperity gospel. If you will honor the Lord with your wealth, he will take care of you. Okay? Now, when we get into this conversation, all right, you're going to hear me talk a lot tonight on responsibilities and needs. And you may not want it to go there, but that's where it has to go if we're going to talk about what the Bible says. Responsibilities and needs. i got two points tonight in honoring the Lord with your wealth, being a good steward, entrusted with your finances, okay? Number one, God provides for his people. You may not believe this, but you need to believe this. You may not want to accept this. I'm, trying to, I'm going to try to convince you tonight to accept this. God provides for his people. And what I'm getting at is that whatever you have, he's given it to you, regardless of how big it is or how small it is. He's given it to you. The Bible teaches that clearly. God is a good God who gives good gifts. The Bible teaches in so many passages that the goodness of God overflows out of God and into our lives, all right? Whatever goodness you have, it has come from him. He loves to do that, right? We are to recognize that the Lord is good, okay? And he's good in the way he works in us and provides and blesses, okay? God is good in giving our wealth or finances or stuff to us. It is from him, okay? The Bible teaches that. He gives it to us. Now, I know that there is a sense in which we can uh, push back or the unbeliever could push back to us and say, wait a second, this was my work ethic. I'm the one that sets my alarm and wakes up every day and goes and works those long hours. This is my back and my muscles and my soreness and my, and my ability and my toughness and all that. Hey, you're right. You, you, you had to do that. I, I'm not gonna argue against it. But I want to also say to them, yes, but all of those things you just said are also God's gifts, are they not? Whoever got you thinking that way or gave you that health, and if you want to dare God enough, maybe he'll take away that health, right? Or take away that work ethic. It's God that's giving all of that. It's God that taught you to think that way. These are the things of God too. 
This is the gifting of God. It's the, it's the blessing of God. Your health, your strength, your ability to do it, your being even in the workforce or whatever you do to get your money, that is from God too, and he's provided that. The Bible teaches all of that. So what we see is that it is God taking care of us in providing for us. God is a provider. There's not, not really not much discussing that if we're gonna if we're gonna read what the Bible says. Okay, one big passage that helps us see this, and we're not gonna turn to all of these. You can take notes on them or you can listen here. Is Matthew chapter six? This is when we're taught to pray to God. This is a sermon on the mount. This is when we're taught to pray to God, and then in that prayer we are taught that we ask Him for things, and He answers our prayers. And so then, all right. The question comes up, well, is it automatic? If I ask him for $100 tonight, will I get $100 tonight? And we know that the answer is no to that. And so the question becomes, well, he also knows what you need and knows what you don't need. And it's right out of that discussion, I mean, flowing right in Matthew 6, that God brings up, look at the birds. Do you, how do they get their food? I give it to them. Look at the flowers. How do they look so pretty? I give it to them. And then he makes this great statement, Matthew 6, 32. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. I know it's hard to hear that when you're needy. I know it is. But the Bible teaches he knows what we need. Why is it hard to hear that? Because we often struggle with our needs and our wants, knowing the difference. We do. We struggle with knowing the difference between our needs and our wants. And even if we want to say that we don't always struggle with our needs and our wants, listen to me, okay? If you struggle with your needs and your wants over here, which results in your financial situation not being what you want it to be, okay? Then a need down the road, which might be a legitimate need, is now a struggle because of an early or not understanding needs and wants. Everybody following me? Right? Tonight, you might absolutely need bread, a legit need, right? If you have no bread and you have not had bread and you're hungry as can be and you've got to get something in your stomach, you need bread. That's a legitimate need, okay? That's a real need, okay? But if you had $100 today for lunch, right, and you decided to go to Texas Roadhouse or Ruth Chris because, man, you were craving one of those good steaks, that's not exactly a need in the way that God says, I will provide for your needs. Everybody follow me there. Everybody understand? It is a need to have bread. And I deal with people every single week that are desperate in a situation. We talk to people every week whose LG&E is going to be turned off like tomorrow, right? And that is a need. When it's this cold, you have to have heat. I understand. But sometimes that is, is, is confused or complicated based off an earlier struggle between needs and wants. I bring that up to say God has said he knows what we need. In knowing what we need, he also says that he provides for us in our needs. Philippians chapter 4, 
verse 13 says, sorry, verse 19, 413 is, I can do all things through Christ. Verse 19 of Philippians 4 says, and my God will supply, goodness, my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. Now, just real quick, without you even answering out loud, how big and deep do you think God's glorious riches are? He's got a lot, doesn't he? He's got a lot. The hand or the arm of the Lord is not short. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can provide whatever we need. And yet I'm wanting to get us to see, he says that he knows what we need. He says he provides for us in what we need. So the issue becomes us understanding, uh, struggling with the difference between needs and wants. Now, I do want to show you one passage real quick. Psalm 37. Look at Psalm 37. This is a good one for you to hear. Psalm 37, look at verse 25. 37, 25. This is a psalm of David. He says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. The psalmist here, David, is saying, I've been living a while. I've seen a lot. I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous man begging for bread. Well, what would put him in that position? It puts him in a position where he goes back to Proverbs 3 and he says, With whatever wealth I have, I want to honor the Lord with it. With whatever God puts in my pocket, in my paycheck, or in my bank, I want to honor him with it. As I have taught my kids and taught my kids and taught my kids to honor God with whatever they get, as soon as they get that $10 from mowing a yard, the first question is not, what candy do you want? Or can we stop and get a Polar Pop? Or, you know, what can we save up for and buy a video game? The first question is, what are we going to do with this to honor God? And then we'll figure out what our wants are. The Bible teaches you honor God with what he's giving you. When your heart is saying, I will honor God because he's the one giving me this, from that position, you then operate out on what are my needs? Are my needs taken care of? What, are, what, what do I need to be doing? What are my responsibilities? What do I have to put money toward? And before anything is brought up on wants. With that frame of mind, it makes sense to hear the Bible say, I've been young and I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He may not have been to Texas Roadhouse, but he cannot say that God left him starving. 
This is the idea, okay? This is the idea. Now, it takes a lot of, let's get real practical. It does take a lot of focus and attention, and if you want to say a little bit of work to keep that in perspective. It does. I mean, that's the honest truth, right? And so we know people that we, you know, we'll just in passing say, hey, he's really bad with his money. Or we know people say, hey, man, she loves to shop or, right, those sort of things. And we don't have to get into those like practical details today, but I do want to hear, I do want you to hear that it does take a lot of focus and attention. It does mean, okay, I get paid twice a month, I get paid every, Friday, every other Friday, and when I get paid, I get paid this much, and when I get paid this much, I have to sit down and think about, okay, what does need to pay for here, what do I need to pay for here, yeah, see, that bill's due before, that bill's due before the next two-week pay, and so it does take that. It does take working through needs and wants and figuring it out. It does take you coming to the realization, man, I just worked a little bit of overtime and I did all of this and I got this extra money. I did this little side work to get this extra thing. And if I do that, then I'm just going to barely be able to go and get the groceries that we need and get all my bills paid. And so there isn't room for anything else. It does take all of that. Okay? That's just the truth. And it is fair to say that if you, you know, had some good influences in your life, you had a good mentor, you had some good parents, or you worked hard or whatever, that you've maybe been taught some of that. And if you haven't, maybe you've never been taught some of that, right? Maybe you were raised by people that blew all their money and and lived week to week, and it was really a tough thing, and they were always in debt, and they were always struggling, and so you think that's normal to you, right? And so maybe we need to admit that we don't even really have a good idea on understanding needs and wants, and we don't have a good idea on what it means to focus on this or whatever. And all of that's fine. Maybe that does need to be said. My point here tonight is that, my first point, is that the Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And the Bible says God provides for his people. He knows what we need. He provides what we need. And we should not think that he doesn't. David says, I've never seen a righteous man begging for bread. I've never seen a man who's walking around going, I'm going to honor the Lord with this, paycheck here, I'm going to honor the Lord with this, paycheck here, I'm going to honor the Lord with this. God's given me this, I'm going to honor the Lord. I've never seen a man who is focused on honoring the Lord with all he's given him not, not have food to eat. That's what David said. I've never seen that because of wanting to honor the Lord. Now, if we want to say that we're, you know, we're struggling with the difference between needs and wants, then that's a different conversation. With that said, because I know that, you know, there are not as many young people here tonight, but if there were 100 young people tonight, I know that there's, a, a, you know, 100 hands that can go up and say, yes, yes, what about this, right? What about how expensive life is now, right? Well, God, God's not speaking to that. God's not speaking about decision-making in that, right? I, I, I just wrote down a few things, right? Just, just uh, this is one, two, three, six little categories here that the history of the world did not have to deal with. Cell phones. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even think we would want to raise our hand and say, hey, tell me what your cell phone bill is, right? We don't even want to go there, right? Some people have three lines, four lines, five lines, or more in their, in their home. What is your cell phone bill? Internet costs, right? Cable TV. Online fees. Just the cost to do that, right? Online shopping, which is now such a thing, right? Or what about this category? Monthly subscriptions. Isn't that a, a bear to wrestle with, right? 
All the different monthly subscriptions. God in the Bible is not speaking to those things. I mean, the, the, the honest truth, and for, for the average you know, family that's in their 20s right now, each of those six categories there are a lot of money. We might dare say tonight, I know an elderly person would say, well, hey, you don't have to have any of those things, right? You don't have to do online shopping. You don't have to have a cell phone. You don't have to have an internet. You don't have to have monthly subscriptions and online shopping, right? So what I'm trying to get you all to see is that God's not speaking to all those things. God is saying, honor me with your wealth. God is saying, um, I will supply all of your needs. And if we're struggling to understand that perspective, that's not saying that there's anything short in God. Not at all. We are to come to him and believe that he is a faithful God and he has said, honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, humility would say, I need to back up a little bit. I need to back all the way up and stop making excuses. And I need to say, what is my wealth? What are the means that I can live in? So that I can believe my Father in heaven knows and provides for me. Because he does. If you need to back it all the way up and rethink what cell phone you have. And rethink what internet you have. And rethink what monthly subscriptions you have. And rethink what it means to say we don't go out to eat much. And rethink what it means to say yeah we eat a lot more potatoes or a lot more soup. right? If you need to back it all up. You need to be in position where you say I believe the Bible honor your wealth. I believe the Bible he knows, my father knows what I need. I believe the Bible he supplies all of my needs. Don't let 2024 and the busyness of the world and gas prices and all that make you get into a position where you say, I'm not sure if God provides. That's not good. That's not good. Number one, God provides for his people. But number two, and this, all of that was just setting us up for this. This is what I really wanted to talk about in stewardship of finances. Number two, God provides through his people. He provides for his people, but he provides through his people. We get to display God's goodness, and one of the ways we see God's goodness is how he provides for us. We get to display God's goodness in our giving. And I'm not simply talking about like the, the, the random good deed that you do or buying somebody a meal like we asked for somebody, some people to do tonight or giving in the offer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your good, godly stewardship of everything you do with your finances. I'm not talking about like if I ask you to buy somebody pizza and you do it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your good, godly responsibility of everything you do with your finances. This is God providing for all the needs in the world through people. And when you say... I want to be a good steward of my finances. That is what's happening, okay? That's what's happening. The Bible teaches that you and I should be thinking about the responsibilities that we have and then fulfilling them. When Val and I started having kids, guess what that meant? That meant there are going to be a lot of expenses coming up, didn't it? It did. I mean, it did. I mean, okay, kids outgrow shoes. I mean, it seems like... Every day, my boys have outgrown their sweatpants. I mean, it seems like that. 
I just bought you some like a month ago. Where are they? They're already too small, Dad. It's like, good grief, right? But when you have kids, don't you know that there are going to be a lot of expenses with that? So here's what I'm saying. The Bible teaches that if you want to have kids, you need to know there is a responsibility there. You're going to have to feed them. You're going to have to put diapers on them. You're going to have to do stuff for them, and that requires you having money. That is a normal way of thinking. I know it sounds like, man, we don't hear people say that much. That's a normal way of thinking if you're wanting to be a responsible steward of what you've got. And that's just one little example. And we could go all day long with these. At least I could because I think about this a lot as a pastor and somebody that teaches the Bible because it says it. Now, let me give you another one, though. So I'm talking about if you want to have kids, but let me give you another one. This summer, there will be lots of people in our church that are deciding to send their kids to camp, right? And y'all know that is through the roof. It's over $300 to send one kid to camp. I got five kids that, Lord willing, I'll go to camp this summer. Do the math real quick, right? It'd be $1,600 if our five kids go to camp. $1,600 if our kids go to camp this summer. Okay, so if you're a dad and you want your, Andy's got five kids too. He feels my pain, don't you, Andy? Yeah. If you're a dad and you want your kids to go to camp, right? Part of what you need to do is think, right? I need to work and get myself into position to make that happen. You understand? That, that's what you've got to do. And what I'm saying here in this second point is that God provides through his people because we understand these things are our responsibility, right? I sign my kids up for soccer. Guess what happens in soccer? You can't play soccer in your sneakers. You can't. If you show up to soccer practice in your sneakers, coach is going to say, where are your cleats? So guess what you have to have? Cleats. Guess how many I have that play soccer? Four. Guess how many cleats we have to have? Four cleats, right? So now you're looking at those. They got some that are $200. That'd be $800. They got some that are $30. That's $120, right? You have to figure this out. But if you have kids that want to play soccer and you sign them up to play soccer, you've got to be willing to buy the cleats, right? Well, guess what's going to happen then? Well, my Amazon Prime costs this much and my cleats cost this much. Now God's not supplying all my needs. Baloney. Those aren't needs. You understand what I'm saying? Those are not needs. What I'm saying is whatever you get yourself into walking by faith, you must understand that you are responsible for those things. And God will provide in your needs and God by faith teaches you to be responsible in providing for what your responsibilities are. You take that responsibility on yourself. Here's what we know, okay? As people start asking for help to go to camp, which I would totally encourage our, our people to do, we, see, we don't see that as much with camp, but we do see that a lot with mission trips, right? Somebody says they're going to go on a summer mission trip and it costs $1,500 to go. And so they start asking around, hey, could you help me go on this? Could I do some chores at your house? Could I mow some grass? Could we do a car wash or whatever, right? And in that, there are people who will gladly say, I'd like to see that person go on that mission trip, or I'd like to see that kid go to camp, and I'll, I'll give something to them. Hey, you'll come over here and do some chores at my house. I'll give you $30 toward that, you know, something like that. And next thing you know, you see people who are thinking, I'm glad to provide in this way. Well, that little illustration works across the board. A, a dad that's having babies that's got to get milk or bread or, or diapers, 
a kid that wants to go to camp and they want to send their kid to camp, a kid that's gonna play soccer and they need cleats, that's what I'm saying. But I used those illustrations to kind of get your wheels turning on it, okay? But this is where I wanna go with the main part of this. I know that it's 702, but bear with me, okay? I wanna show you just just a really clear example. Look at 1 Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy. It wasn't that long ago that we studied this. It wasn't that long ago that in uh, our midweek Bible we studied this. But I want to show you this. First Timothy chapter 5. Instructions for the church is with a heading that mine says... The subject here becomes widows. A church is supposed to care for widows. All right. We'll start reading in verse 3. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household, and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may, so that they may be without reproach. Now look at verse 8. You may have never heard this before. Look at verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's not me teaching tonight a a hardcore conservative view on financial stewardship. That's me and you together reading 1 Timothy 5.8. In my first point, God provides for his people. God has given you what he's given you. The job, the back, the strength, the work ethic, the wisdom to save, the the ability to save, okay? The paycheck that he gives you, the wealth that he's given you. God has given you that so that you can do point number two and provide in all the responsibilities that God's given you. I know that that is a very... Bible-centered, faith-centered way to think about it, but I believe that with my whole heart. It is your responsibility to make money and save money so that you can use that money in the right places. And I've got no teaching tonight on what you do with the wants. I'm serious. I don't have any teaching tonight with you doing the wants. I know, I know many a men will say, hey, it's my money, I earned that. I'm a self-made man, man. Nobody helped me. I didn't grow up with a daddy that put money in my pocket. You know, I know that the world's filled with people to say that. And more power to them, and good for them, right? Well, I love the American dream. You started from the bottom, and you made it from the top. I, 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 I love all of that. I'm not going against that. I'm showing you tonight that the Bible says God has provided all of your needs so that you will provide in all your responsibilities. Everybody hear me? That's my main point. God provides all of your needs so that you will provide in all of your responsibilities. 
That is so important. It sounds ridiculous for God, for us to say out loud what God says here, if you don't provide for your relatives, you are worse than an unbeliever and you're denying the faith. Now, I know that as soon as we say that, all y'all, well, well, what about this and what about that? Okay, well, I'm not telling you what to do. You go back and work through your family's whole discussion. You get into that needs and wants, all right? Everybody, everybody following that? Providing for them does not have to be their wants. And maybe people are confused on that. And even the example where I said, well, they need some bread here, but they had $100 at lunchtime, and they went to Ruth Chris with it. You see what I'm saying? Maybe those conversations have to happen in your family. But I'm not going to go back on what God says here. You are supposed to provide for your family. Here's what I mean, okay? Here's what I mean. If your parents are living, sometime in the future, you may have one of them die. And so one becomes a widow. Well, guess what the Bible says should happen? If they need help, if they can't support themselves, you should. And guess what we're going to hear a lot of people say? Well, I can't. How about this one that we hear all the time? I'm not in position to do that. Well, here's where God comes in. Why aren't you? Because you haven't heard teaching like this. Because we haven't studied the Bible. From the day you start working... You need to learn to save money and put money back and get your needs and wants in order because the responsibilities do not stop. And it is the glory of God. I mean, it is the beautiful way of God to have money put back for when all the responsibilities come, you can do it. God provides for his people and God provides through his people. And I'm not talking about somebody needs to go to kids camp and, 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 and you ask and they give you money toward it. I'm not talking about just that. I'm talking about all the responsibilities that you could possibly, possibly think of. You know, I use this example a lot and I've used it so many times. I use this, I use this illustration right here in all premarital counseling. If you got married by me, I hope you remember me saying this, right? The next time you're at a, you're trying to earn, I'm, try, I'm talking to the man that, who's trying to earn the respect of his father-in-law and he's feeling the pressure under that, right? I said, I say, here's what you should do. I said, you need to be saving your money. We're talking about that. You need to be saving your money. And the next time you need tires, don't even let her dad know that you went and bought her tires, so the next time y'all are hanging out at Christmas or Thanksgiving, you just bring up tire prices. And, he'll, and he has to say something like, well, how do you know how much tires are? When's the last time you bought tires, young buck? Say, oh, well, your daughter here just needed them just a while back, and I bought them. And then he thinks, oh, you did? You, you had the money, too? You knew how to do that? You've been saving up? And say, well, of course I did. I'm responsible. You can trust me with her. I'm being a good steward. The Bible teaches that we have all of these responsibilities. Because we have not thought this way, I mean, I seriously wish I could keep going for, for another hour, but we, we can't. Because of 
because of all of this, bear with me. The church struggles when Acts 2 and Acts 4 says they had all things in common and there wasn't one of them in need. Acts 2 and Acts 4 says the church had all things in common and there wasn't a one of them in need. We are so far away in our just regular modern discipleship from believing what the Bible says that the needs and the wants is so blown out of proportion that it hardly seems like it's just a legit need. And so somebody's glad to do it. You understand what I'm saying? We need to get back to saying, God says, honor the Lord with your wealth. I want to. I want to. He, number one, he provides for me. I know he does. If I get paid this week, that was the gift of God from me. If I had the back to work this week, it was the strength that God gave me to do it. He provides. But secondly, here's what we've got to learn. He provides through his people meeting their responsibilities. When I was at home at Thanksgiving, no, not Thanksgiving, I went home for New Year's. I think I've already told y'all this story, but it, it'll, it'll prove the point. My parents have a sump pump at their house, and they're two elderly people living there. It doesn't run that much. But me and my five kids rolled up for a week, and there were seven of us, and they went from two showers a day to nine showers a day, right? I mean, the water started really, really flowing there, and the toilet flushes started really, really flowing there. And wouldn't you know it, the one week we're there, the whole sump pump crashed. I mean, the whole thing. Not just the pump, the system, the power outlet, it all died. And you know, that probably set my dad off, and he was upset. But it is such a neat thing, okay? And I wish all the young people were here tonight. It's such a neat thing to hear a guy go, all right, that's going to be uh, $3,900. And to see a man go, good grief, that's an expensive pump. All right, let me go get a check. You know why you're in that position? To just pay the bill that you got to pay? Because they, the toilets could not flush, right? <laughs> you ain't waiting on that. You know why you're in that position? Because you believed the word of God on a Sunday night at church to honor the Lord with your wealth. Get your needs and wants in order. Do not let your unnecessary passions cause you to spend too much money. Sit on it. Sit on it. Sit on it. Because the responsibilities are coming. You want your grandkids to come down and visit for Christmas break and all of a sudden go to a bunch of toilet flushes? Yeah, you do. Do you understand that if that happens, a sump pump might die? Yes, right? I mean, he wasn't mad at us. He didn't make us feel bad about it. But it could happen, right? It could happen. Do you want 40 kids in youth Sunday school? Yeah. Can a coffee get spilt? Yeah. Are we going to have to pay to get the carpet cleaned? Yeah. Guess what, church? We got money to get the carpet cleaned. You understand what I'm saying? And that should be the heart of every one of us I'm going to have responsibilities in my life. Now, if I had more time, I would get into just how many they are. If the laymans are going all over the world, if the laymans are going all over the world and translating the Bible and all these different people groups, and the only thing keeping them from going is a little bit of funding, every one of us should get involved with that. That's the highest calling in the world. That's the highest calling in the world. And he's got the skill set to do it. 
And our needs and wants being out of order are going to keep us from that. The very best thing you could do right now, and we've got the Hoovers that are already going, and we've got the Hughes that are already going. The very best thing you could do right now would go home tonight and do a quick little check of, okay, how many cigarettes do I smoke a week? That's probably 50 bucks a month. How many energy drinks do I drink? Or how many coffees do I drink? Okay, that's probably 50 bucks a month. You could probably make a change tonight to come up with an extra 20 bucks a month. Say, I'm going to give that to the Hoovers. Next thing you know, you're involved in their prayer chain. They're talking to you every, every week. You're getting their emails. And now your whole course of family and missions and what God's doing in the world has changed because you just made a little bit of tweak of what my responsibilities are. Let me ask you a question. Whose responsibility is it to support missionaries? I'm not talking about how or how much or anything like that. Whose responsibility is it to support missionaries? The church. No question. The church. It's the church's responsibility. So that needs and wants and the provision of God that turns in the provision for people is a stewardship. It's something that you and I take serious. It's something that God has entrusted us with. God has given you what you have. Honor him with it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the scriptures. God, the scriptures do so very much for us. They teach us. And even if it's like, man, I've never thought about that, it's still your holy word teaching us. God, I pray that you would make us people that honor you with our wealth. Help us to see and believe that you provide for us. And then in recognizing our responsibilities, our responsibilities, may we be the ones that provide. And we're like you in that way. Thank you for this conversation and for this subject. We pray your blessing on us to be good stewards with all you've given us. God, may you get the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.